small taste of uh, the awesome week that they had. We had a great time together. God did some awesome things. And uh, we are super excited to be back from camp. And camp is a, is a lot of fun. And uh, we're just excited to see what God's going to continue to do in the lives of our young people. So we're on a series called Deutimus. And so if you have a smartphone or you have a tablet, we do have a live event. So you can download the Uversion app, go to live event, click on the little magnifying glass, type in Vision Ministries Toledo, you'll have something that will pop up just like this. It'll look just like the, the thing, and you'll have notes you can follow right along. We've been doing some pretty uh, extensive, this whole series is uh, basically about the book of Acts, and we've, we've uh, learned about fear of the Lord, we've learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, we actually had some uh, people that got healed, um, there's just like lots of different experiences that we've had, and so we're actually going to go into the book of Acts chapter 10, and so we're going to do something that's a little bit different, we're going to go into a, a deep teaching today, it's called an expository teaching, have you ever heard of the word expository, look at your neighbor and say expository, okay, if you don't know what that means, that means is what we're going to do, is we're going to go through the whole book of Acts chapter 10, and we're going to read it verse by verse. Now, look at me for a minute. Usually what happens, though, is when we, when we do something like this, usually what happens is people start nodding off, they start getting tired, they start looking at their Facebook on, on their smartphones. So do me a favor, say this with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I will give my full attention to the Word of God. Okay, are you ready? Then say it. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, Acts chapter 10. This is a pretty awesome scripture. Uh, we're going to read verse by verse, and then what we'll do is we'll, I'll read a few verses, and I'll pause, and I'll just explain it a little bit. And we're going to do that through this entire chapter. Does that sound good? You guys ready again? All right. The cool thing about the Word of God is it preaches itself. So, Lord, we just thank you for your Word, God. We thank you for every person in here today, God, that, Father, that, that are here to meet with you. And, Lord, we just thank you for speaking through your Word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 10. We're going to read in verse, a few verses here. Verse 1. At Caesarea, it's going to be on the screens for you too, if you don't have your, your a Bible with you. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian Regiment. Okay, now, uh, what I read might be a little bit different than on screens, but that's all right. He and his whole family were devout and God-fearing. Devout. And God-fearing. Make sure this thing keeps popping. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So it's kind of given his little, it's given his little portfolio here. Are you getting this? How many of us know that God has a portfolio of each and every one of us? Of what we do, what we say, even the things we think. Oh, raggy. Some of us need to need to have a little bit of a. Maybe a cleaner thought. Verse 3. One day about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Has anyone here ever had a vision where they saw an angel speak to them and say, Your name? Has anyone here ever had that experience? See, like, no hands. Once? So this is a pretty powerful experience. Where God, seeing God in a, uh, 
an angel calling out your name in a vision. So no, no hands. Don't worry, we won't call you crazy if you want to raise your hand. You're not crazy. You've actually had an experience that many of us in here haven't had. Okay, so this Roman Gentile soldier, he's praying. He's, he has this encounter with this angel. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Pause here for a minute. I call this Cornelius's memorial. So the question is, is what kind of memorial do we send to God? Cornelius's memorial was two things. It was prayer and generosity. And it reached, it reached the Lord, and it said that it was a memorial to God. So each and every one of us are sending something to the Lord. So the question I would ask myself, and you can ask yourself, is what memorial am I sending to God? Prayers and generosities will get God's attention. So take note of that. You want to get God's attention? Have a prayer life? And give generously. Gets God's attention. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as in a memorial offering for God. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. You guys still with me? You guys see what's happening here? This guy's devout. He loves God. He has a meeting with an angel. The angel tells him, you need to send some guys to go get this guy, Simon Peter, and bring him to your house. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were there on their journey and approached the city, Peter came up to the roof to pray. Verse 10. He became hanged. Uh, hangry. <laughs> he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Verse 11. He saw heaven opening and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. We're going to pause there right now. So, Peter is hungry. He's up on his roof, uh, and he's praying. He goes into a trance, and he has this vision of all of these animals that's on a large blanket. So isn't it funny how God can speak to us right in the middle of our circumstance? Isn't it funny that, that the Scripture gives a little bit of... of explanation that Peter was hungry and he has a trance about food. But we're going to learn that it's not the type of food that he would normally be, be dreaming about. I don't know, have you ever tried to pray? Maybe you laid on the ground or maybe you laid in your bed and your mind was filled with all kinds of things. Maybe you were thinking about this. Maybe you are thinking about food. Maybe Okay, sometimes that happens. Well, actually, the Lord was actually giving him this, this vision. And it's kind of cool that God will speak to us right in our circumstances. God spoke to Peter right in the circumstances. He was hungry, so God decided to speak to Peter through food. Isn't that cool? Some of you probably never got that before, did you? Friends, know this. God will always meet us right where we're at. And He's going to speak to us right in the circumstance of where we're at. That's how good our God is. 
Let's continue on. We're going to read verse 12 again real quick. It said it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth, birds of the air. Verse 13, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So for each of you guys, vegetarians, the Lord said it. Kill and eat. It's his word. And we've had meat stuck in between our teeth ever since. Verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Why is he saying this? Because it was like all kinds of reptiles. Remember, we just read that. So it's like snake, squid, probably. Right. That, <laughs> Verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Verse 15. The voice spoke to him. A second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. We're going to pause there for a minute. What did verse 14 just say? Surely not, Lord. Did God, was God asking Peter to do something? Did Peter just tell God no? I think Peter just told God no. Didn't he just, did he, did you read that? Did Peter just tell God no? Sure did. Peter just told God no. Isn't it funny, friends, that when God asks us to do something unfamiliar or uncomfortable, our, our initial reaction can be the exact same way as Peter's was. And we tell the Lord, no, Lord. Why? Because it was unfamiliar. Because it was, he was unused to it. He said, I've never done that before. I've never eaten that before. Sometimes God will call us to get out of our comfort zone. You might think, well, I've never done something like that before. No, God, you're asking the wrong one. We can, we can have the, initial, the same initial reaction to God when he's asking us to do something that's uncomfortable. Did God smite Peter up there on that roof? No, he didn't. Actually, what happened? Verse 16, this happened three times and immediately the sheep went back up to heaven. How many of us know that God will give us time and time and time and time again so that we can have the correct response. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but that's good for me because I don't always give God the, the most correct response. I'm sometimes like, Peter, God's like, hey, Josh, you need to go to this. I'm like, no, Lord, you, done pick, you picked the wrong one. God's grace and his mercy. Three times, kill and eat, and then it went back to heaven. Verse 17, say verse 17. You guys sit with me? Verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Paul's right there. I just want to let you know this. It's okay to have God say something to you and you don't fully get it. What does it say? It said Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision. He's like, what the heck did that mean? Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. It's okay. That if God speaks or says something, that we don't always get it. It's all right. Peter's sitting here looking up into the sky thinking, what the heck was that all about? While he was still thinking about the meaning of the vision, men that were sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Verse 18. You guys with me? Say verse 18. Verse 18. Okay. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was standing there. 
While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Then the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. Isn't it cool when somebody else can share your portfolio and talk good about you? Friends, you know, what's, what's most important for us is our reputation. That's more important than anything else. Your name. So this guy had a good name that, that other people are saying. He's God-fearing. Who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. Okay, so check this out. This is what's funny. I read this and I'm like, I don't get God. I don't get God. How is it that Peter is up on the roof and God gives him a vision that he doesn't understand, so he's sitting there pondering it, then, then right after that, God speaks to him directly and gives him the direct instructions on exactly what to do. There's three men, they're coming, you're going to go with them. I don't, I don't get it, why God... Why, why, See, because for me, I'm like, God just speaks to me right away. Because we're going to la- later realize that, that all that meat and stuff really didn't mean what it meant. That it actually, it, well, it, was, it was actually significant about something else. Because he's talking about things that are pure and things that are impure. But isn't it funny that God would speak in a vision and then right after that he's going to speak and give a direct instruction on exactly what to do. You know what that goes to show me? That you know what, God can speak in multiple facets. And if we're not listening, we can miss it. If we're not listening, if we don't have an ear that's attentive, we can miss it. So first God speaks in riddles, and Peter's dumbfounded by this, by this blanket that has all this, uh, all this other, other white meat on it, and then gives him clear instruction and direction and exactly what to do. And let me tell you this, friends, sometimes that is exactly how it's going to be when the Lord speaks to us. Sometimes there's going to be times that we have an exact instruction, we know exactly what to do. Other times, the Lord's going to speak to us, and it's going to seem like riddles. And it's okay. It's all right. How many of us appreciate the time God speaks direct? (laughs) Yes. How many of us like it when people speak to us direct? Like, don't beat around the bush. Don't make, you, know, you don't have to soften it and make it all soft and squishy for me. Just tell me exactly how it is. Does anybody here like facts like that? Just tell me how it is. You know, if I messed up, just tell me I messed up. You don't have to tell me how good I did this and how good. Just tell me, like, right where it is. Come on, so we can fix it, get it over with, and move on. Anybody here else like that? If you're not like that, that's okay. Some of y'all like the nice little squishy words. That's okay. My wife says she likes it squishy. She likes it soft and cuddly. (laughs) Let's continue on here. We're going to finish verse 23. Are you guys getting some good stuff out of this? This is called expository. This is is what happens usually like when you're studying the Bible, when you're reading through. We're doing kind of like we're we're taking you to, you know, your living room or your study or your bedroom where you would sit down and you'd read the Word and you just take it kind of verse by verse and just kind of practically see what God is doing. That's what we're doing together. Verse 23. Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them 
and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called them together, his relatives and his friends. Quick little side note for you if you, you know, if you care about this or not, that's totally fine. A little bit of information just to let you know how far Joppa and Caesarea, the distance between those two places, was about 40 miles. So if you walked at 2.5 miles per hour, it would roughly take you about 16 hours to walk from Caesarea to Joppa. Anybody here ever done a 16-hour 16 16 walk? I don't know about you, a few days ago, I got like 25,000 steps, and it was like 13 miles. I was so happy. I was like, I got 25,000 steps, bam! I ain't, I, I've never done a 40-mile walk. So just, just a little bit of food for thought there. So, so, so they have plenty of time uh, for Peter to, to hear what God is actually saying about the vision and everything else. Okay. Verse 25, then Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Say reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I am only a man myself. Have you ever had someone fall at your feet in reverence because they thought you were some, somebody special or some sort of God? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. This isn't the only time this happens in the book of Acts. It also happens to Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14. They're, they're acting out in, in miraculous signs, and it said all the people gathered together and called them gods and said, this is Zeus and this is Hermes. And they tried to worship them. They said, no, 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 we're just people just like you. I've never had some this, this happen to me. So maybe, maybe there's some power that we need to walk in for someone to see something different about us. Not saying that we want people to fall and bow and worship us, but when somebody can, can uh, distinctively see something that's different. I'm a man just like you, verse 27. You guys still with me? Yeah. All right. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law, say our law, for Jews to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any impure, any man impure or unclean. Pause there for a minute because we got, there's a lot of revelation in that one verse here. First off, he's saying this. He says, uh, it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. Where is that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? Is there a, is there a law that says Jews do not associate with Gentiles in the Bible? Absolutely not. The Bible says to love your neighbor, even in the Old Testament. It said you do good to strangers, foreigners. You treat them like your brothers and sisters. That's in the Old Testament. So whose law is it that Jews shouldn't associate with Gentiles? Come on, some of y'all need to get this. They're following a Jewish law. You know what they're following? They're following a church rule. <laughs> the association of Jews and Gentiles is not a biblical law. You cannot find it in the, in, the, in the Torah or in the Old Testament anywhere. Okay, What is happening here is God is actually breaking a religious spirit that the early church had. There was a separation, a pious Jewish belief that they were better than everyone else. And 
And so this is so cool. So God is breaking this religious spirit. He's breaking this separation. Because Jews thought that they were the pure ones. They were the cool ones. They were, the, they were God's chosen people while everyone else were unclean. And so it's the reason why there was the vision. Because what's happening in the vision? Peter's saying, I've never eaten anything like that. And God says, don't you call unclean what I call clean. So between that vision and the walk to, uh, to Caesarea, Paul gets, or Peter gets an understanding because he says this. So he gets a revelation because it's about, probably about a two-day walk. And he says this, But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Peter realized here that God wasn't talking about the food law that is found in Leviticus. But God was actually saying, you don't call people that I call pure, unpure. Friends, that can happen to us today too as well. We can find ourselves being, it's the church people and then it's all of them. You can find it in churches across America where it's, it's us and them. Friends, God never, when, when He died for, for us, when He died for His bride, He never intended to, to be an us and them mentality. And Acts chapter 10 is the clear distinction of this because God wants all of us he doesn't show favoritism and we're going to read about that in just a minute here verse 29 so when I was sent for I came without raising an objection may I ask why you sent for me verse 30 Cornelius answered four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon I'm going to just pause there for a minute, just to let you guys know. A Jewish tradition, they prayed three times a day. They prayed in the morning, prayed in the afternoon, and prayed in the evening. Okay, Cornelius, even though he's a Gentile, he's following Jewish tradition, and, and, and that's how he was de devout, a devout praying man. Okay? Verse 31, And said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Remember? Cornelius's memorial, the two things that got, that, that got God's attention, what was it? Being generous and prayer. Good. Verse 32. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Look at your neighbor and say, Expectation. Cornelius gathered his family together and they were sitting there and they were anticipating what God was going to say through this man, Peter. They had hunger. Look and say hunger. hunger. See, we live in America and I've never been starving. I might have said I'm starving, but that doesn't really mean starving. That really means I'm hungry. But when you are starving, you will eat just about anything. Correct? And we have a whole people group here that are hungry for the things of God. And so they're sitting there with expectation. And they're waiting to listen to what Peter has to say. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. And let me just tell you this, because this is, it's about to explode here. When, when people come together with expectation, God does awesome and powerful things. That's the reason why God moved uh, at our camps is because there were people that were praying, that were seeking God... 
Uh, and they, were, they came with expectation to see what is God going to do this week. So these people came together with expectation. Let me tell you this. If we come to church with expectation, it will change the atmosphere of this, of this uh, service. It would change the atmosphere of our church. If we came to church with expectation, we woke up and said, saying, oh, i got to go to church. Oh, i got to iron my shirt. Ugh. If we came to church and said, man, God does cool things. What's God going to do today? Is God going to heal someone? Is he going to set someone free? Is he going to deliver someone? Is somebody going to get saved? Are we going to see a baptism? Is somebody going to testify about the goodness of God? What's God going to do? This is going to be awesome. That's expectation. Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but ex accepts men from every nation who fear Him and do what is right. We're going to pause there for a minute. because uh, we, need to, we need to take note of this. Here in verse uh, 34 and 35, let me tell you this. He does not show favoritism. Friends, the power of the Holy Spirit breaks prejudice and racism. When the Holy Spirit is living in your life, it will break prejudice and racism. Because God's breaking prejudice or racism, whichever the case was with Peter, right here in this verse. Isn't that what God's doing? That's exactly what God is doing. Because if you know chapters before, books before, when Jesus is sitting there with the woman who was a centurion, they said to themselves, Why is he talking to her? Why is he talking to that centurion woman? They said it among themselves. Ugh, what's he talking to her for? Was it, it wasn't because she was a woman, it was because she was a, a Samaritan. And they were prejudiced. Are you getting this? Peter began to speak, I realized how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and who do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what is, has happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, say power. It's Deutimus. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Let me tell you this, friends. When you witness something, can't nobody tell you otherwise. For the people that see spirits in their house... You can't talk them out of it. They saw it with their own eyes. You can try to commit them. You can try to say they're crazy. But they saw it. Talk them out of it. And I'm going to have to say, I agree with them. They probably did. I've seen enough spirits in my day. <laughs> we are witnesses of everything he did in, in the country of the Jews and, and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead, and on the third day caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. For us who ate and drank with him, uh, for us who ate and drank with him, and after he rose from the dead. Verse 42. You guys still following? All right. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify 
that He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about Him and everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Peter is preaching the Gospel. He's preaching the Gospel. That's the reason why he was sent. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking. <laughs> These words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. I would love it if I was preaching and the Holy Spirit just showed up and, and broke out in this place. I just shut my mouth. We sing this song, Spirit Breakout. Friends, verse 44, that's exactly what happened. Peter's preaching. They're intensely listening. And what happened? The Spirit broke out. The Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. Verse 45. The circumcised believers who had been with Peter were astonished. Say astonished. They're like, ooh. <laughs> They're like, yes, today it happened. <laughs> they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They're like, what? They were astonished. <laughs> Verse 46. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. We're going to read the last few verses here. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? Nope. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. We just read a whole chapter in the book of Acts. How's that sound? Take note here. Between verse 34 and verse 46, there's a coupling that's happening. What's happening is there are people that are receiving the truth of the Gospel, the Word of the Lord, the message of Christ and Him crucified. So they're receiving the Gospel and also a manifestation of the Spirit where they are experiencing God for, their very, by their, for, their, for themselves. Let me say this. This is how God likes to couple when He moves. This is why Jesus said that those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Friends, anytime you couple them both, powerful things happen. Peter's preaching. They're receiving the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes and they experience the tangible power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, God wants to continue to marry the truth with the Spirit. And for us to have an experience with God for ourselves. I've said this in numerous times. I'll probably say it until I stop going to Cedar Point. Has anyone here ever rode the Millennium Force? Raise your hand if you've ever rode the Millennium Force. If you've never ridden the Millennium Force, please raise your hand. You know, it's okay. So look. Okay. Try this again. Okay. If you have ridden the Millennium Force, raise your hand. Okay, every person that has their hand up has a Millennium Force experience. Okay, put your hand down. If you've never ridden the Millennium Force, raise your hand. Okay, there's nothing wrong with you today if you have your hand up. You just do not have a Millennium Force experience. Okay. So, now if I start to explain the experience, for those of us that have, that, that have been on that ride, on that roller coaster, when I start talking about it, it's going to bring you right back to that car. And you're going to be sitting in there. And you're going to be going up that 300, 
foot hill. And if you're on the front, when you get to the top of that hill, you can't even see the bottom of the track. And then your heart is pounding because you're looking down and everything else starts getting smaller. When you get to the top of that hill, you start racing down at 92 miles an hour where the wind on your face actually causes you to have wind burn. And if you're not screaming because you're holding your stomach tight, you actually swallow your stomach. And so you go down this hill, and I'm telling you, it's a radical ride for, for two and a half minutes. And when you get off the ride, it still feels like your body is moving because you had the thrill of a lifetime. For those of you that have had a Millennium Force experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you that have not had a Millennium Force experience, what I just said, it sounds good. Sounds good. Friends, this is how it is with the Holy Spirit. For those of us that have experienced the power and the presence of God, when we start talking about it, we start getting excited inside. You're like, oh, he's talking about the Lord here. Yeah, I'm, I'm about that. But for those that haven't had an experience, there's nothing wrong with not. It's just you can't connect with the, with the people that are talking about the experience. This is why it is imperative for everyone to experience God personally. It's the reason why we've talked about Deutimus. It's the reason why we've taught about this. It's, it's the reason why God would send a man 40 miles for them to experience God. And he was willing, and God did powerful things. Friends, God is willing, and he wants to touch each and every one of our lives. Now, what, 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 is, it, what is it about the Holy Spirit? Why, why are we on this whole teaching on the Holy Spirit? Well, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but why? Why? Why do we see in the book of Acts when we're teaching, man, it says like people are experiencing God, they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're experiencing God, they're being filled. Why? Why is it imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because let me tell you, it's more than just speaking in tongues. There's things that actually happen. I'm going to uh, just briefly give eight things that the Holy Spirit does, the baptism of, of the Holy Spirit does in us, and for us to live out this life that God uh, has for us to live, we need this. You ready? If you're following along, it's real easy because it'll be right on your notes if you, have a, if you have your smartphone or tablet. If not, it will be up on the screen. Why is it imperative to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, because the baptism in the Holy Spirit will cause us to love and magnify and glorify God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ more than we've ever done before. Because before you're filled with the Spirit, you might acknowledge God. You might, yeah, I know Jesus died for my sins. But when you are filled with the Spirit, it changes everything. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to, to long for God and, and, and grows. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that grows this love inside of us for God. Without Him, we're not going to grow that. We can't. Number two, why is it imper imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit will increase the, the conscientiousness of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Basically, basically, he just, what he does is it brings a greater awareness. We are aware of the Lord around us. Before, before the Spirit filling, you, you kind of you think, you kind of know God's around, but you don't really know. You don't know that you know that you know. Isn't that the truth? The Spirit infilling gives us an awareness that Christ is at work in us. That, he's, that he's, he's working in our life every day. Before that, we're like, God, are you there? 
<laughs> Number three, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give us a greater appreciation and an affinity for Scripture. Basically, all that means is He'll give us a love for God's Word. Before being filled with the Spirit, the Bible says that it's foolishness to those who are perishing. Before, like really saying yes to God, did anyone here ever try to read the Bible? It didn't make a lick of sense. I know. I remember when I started saying yes to God, I'm trying to read, I'm like, this does not make any sense at all whatsoever. I don't get it. But there was something inside of me that desired, and I even, I cried out, I said, God, help me to understand this, because I don't get it. It gives us a love for his word, and then there's a, some scripture verses, okay? Because the spirit of truth will lead us all truth. He'll deepen our love for truth in God's word. Number four, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism in the Holy Spirit, number four, will deepen our love and concern for His church. You don't care about other people until the love of God inside of you comes alive. You can say you care about people, but for the most part, when we care about people, it's usually you care about somebody because of what they can do for you. We don't know anything about selfless, sacrificial love. The only way we will know selfless, sacrificial love is, is the love of God because, because he, He's agape. It's that unconditional love. Without restrictions, without limits, without hesitation. Because for, for the majority of us, at least, at least from what I understand, is we love people at a distance. It isn't until we connect with, with the Lord that we have to break all those barriers and start loving people beyond their circumstances and beyond our circumstances. Number five, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism in the Holy Spirit will proceed, be preceded by turning from sin and faithful obedience to Christ. Since we're sanctified by the Spirit, Romans 15 and 1 Peter 2, we then desire to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't care about getting rid of stuff. And it, let me tell you this, it's, and it's not about getting rid of stuff. It's never been about that. It's always been about drawing closer to Him. As you draw closer to Him, you don't want to do stuff. It just it is what it is. I stopped smoking weed, not because somebody preached to me and I felt all condemned. I stopped smoking weed because the Lord was doing this work in my life, and I, and I it was an idol. It was an idol. I woke up, was thinking about getting high, I went to bed high. It's what I thought about all day long. And so God broke the idol. And I haven't touched it in 18 years. I didn't find religion. I found something that was better. And I don't got to pay, and I don't got to pay no money. I agree. <laughs> you save a lot of money. There's an old school song, there's no high like the most high. It's the truth. I remember my first experience that I had with, with, with the Lord, uh, 18 years ago-ish, you know, right in there. And, and man, I, I've been high, drunk, tripped on acid. I've done numerous types of drugs. And the feeling that I got from God was, it just far exceeded. I remember getting some of my, my, my uh, smoking buddies together, be like, y'all got to come to church, man. There's something, this feels good. This is crazy. You need to come, you need to come experience this. <laughs> they started calling me the Pope and Bishop and all this other stuff. That's all good. 
I'll be bishop. <laughs> I'll be a bishop. <laughs> Number six, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism in the Holy Spirit will... Oh, I already said that, didn't I? Number seven. We already did six, right? Did we? Wait. Oh, I did five. Okay. Oh, we'll intensify our displeasure with sinful enjoyment of the flesh and the world uh, because there'll be something inside of us that'll want to please the Lord. It's like when I got married to my wife. When I got married to my wife, my love is for her and no other. That's what that commitment is. It, it, to me, it just wasn't me saying, I do. I said, here I am. Yes, I do, and that's it. There's no other lover for me. It's me and her, her and me. And so, so every, other, every other fling, every other woman, every other thought of another woman is over. And that's what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that's in conflict with the, with the Lord, it's got to go. And it, and it isn't like, you're condemned about it. No. You're like, man, I love God more. And so you start to get a distaste for things. Have you ever tried to do something that you did back in the day and realized it wasn't the same? It's not the same anymore. You might have been able to do this and do that. Once you're changed by the Spirit of the Lord, you go and try to do those things, it doesn't even feel the right anymore. Pastor Joy talked about like how she used to go to the clubs and all this other stuff, and she tried to go to the clubs after she committed her life to Christ, and it just wasn't even feel, feeling good. She's like, mm, ain't even the same. Just, so, just it is what it is. I'm just telling you guys what I've experienced, so. I've been doing this for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Number seven. Friends, it's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit will give us a greater desire and the power to be a witness. You will, there'll be something inside of you. You won't have to have your arm twisted to share your faith. Somebody doesn't have to talk you into it. No. Something comes alive in you where you want to tell other people about what God's done. And it will give you the power to do so. Because the Bible said that Jesus went around doing good and healing the sick. And so when Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit came, uh, will come upon you and you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That isn't just power to open your mouth. That's power to be a witness. And being a witness is how we live. It's what we do. It's more than just what we say. And let me tell you this. Everyone will witness how you are a witness of Christ. And when you make a mistake, they will point that out to you. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you didn't do this. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it just so funny how those that aren't even, aren't even there or not even doing it are the ones quick to try to point the finger at you? What's that old saying go? When you have one finger pointed at someone else, you got three pointing back at yourself? <laughs> I thought you did this. Well... You'll give us a greater desire and the power to be a witness. Finally, number eight. It's imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Spirit will cause us to be more receptive to the leading, to His leading, His work and operation. And friends, and also, it ignites 
the giftings of the Spirit in our lives. He ignites the giftings to be at work. Well, what is, what's the giftings? Well, you can go and you can look in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It talks about the gifts of the Spirit. So, it, so, the, so the Holy Spirit will cause us to be more receptive to His leading. How many of us know that as a young child, we are taught you have a conscience? What's a conscience? Something inside that tells us right from wrong, right? Okay, now I'm going to go ahead and debunk that because I'm going to say that we were all born with a sinful nature. And inside of us is the desire to do evil all the time. And those that fully yield into it are the ones that are locked in prison or, or buried somewhere. But I would deem to go ahead and say that the Lord has been with us from the beginning and conscience has, when, 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 when there's something that needs to be corrected in our life, will speak to us. Now when you give your life to Christ, that thing is, is amplified. Have you ever had a radio that you played and it was, it was weak, but then you added an amplifier to it, and that thing blasted. It's kind of how it is when we commit our life to Christ when the Holy Spirit's inside. Because it amplifies inside the voice of the Lord. Where we become more receptive to Him. I say all this to say this. Friends, it is imperative for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God wants each and every one of us to experience Him in a very real and tangible way. Would you stand your feet with me today? If you're in this place today and you know that that you need a deeper sense of the Lord's work in your life, would you just kind of just like spread your hands out, like kind of just put them out like this? It's just kind of a sign of surrender. I want you to pray with me and just ask Him, say, Lord, God, I need a deeper sense of your work in my life. I need a deeper sense of your work in my heart. Today, I yield myself to you. God, that you would speak to me. God, that you would lead me. God, I thank you for people around me. God, that you want to highlight for me to be a blessing to you. God, I thank you that, God, that you are, you have, as your word says, God, that you've started a work. And God, I thank you that you're going to strengthen and complete that work in my life. Father, I want to say thank you that we can read your word. God, that we can see individuals' lives turned around and changed forever. And God, I know that, God, that you want to do that for each and every individual in here. God, that we would live a life, oh God, that's full of joy and peace and that's pleasing to you. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you. We want to say, have your way in us. Thank you for today. Thank you for this gift that we have. God, thank you that you've given us life. God, thank you that, Lord, that you've given many of us families. God, you've given us, God, all these things that we can enjoy. God, thank you that you created us to enjoy and experience 
everything on this earth, God, you created it for, to, for us to enjoy. And Lord, we just want to, God, be able to have eyes that see the way that you see and ears that hear what you're saying, God. So Lord, we just thank you for a greater awareness of your presence in our lives. God, we thank you for those of us in here today that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. God, would you just, would you just rest? God, would you overshadow them right now, Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus. God, would you just rest on individuals right now in Jesus' name. God, right now, would you just fill people with your Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Friends, if you need prayer for anything, if you would like for one of us to join and pray with you about anything specifically, we're going to give you time. You can come up to the altar. We'd love to pray for you. If not, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Make sure if you're a, a first or second time guest, you greet Pastor Joy. She's in the back. She'd love to greet you. But go ahead and receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, thanks for joining with us today. God bless you. Again, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to do that. If not, friends, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great weekend.